Did you know Wake Forest has not been a top 10 team since 1946? By far the longest drought in, in Power 5 college football. The next closest is, I think, 2007. Damn. Not yeah, Col- That's crazy. Colorado 2007 is the next closest <laughs> to Wake Forest 1946. So, Knock on wood. Knock on wood, guys. <laughs> that, that'd be a terrible streak to break. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? We are live. Welcome to Hear the Spear presented by NoGameDay.com. I'm Logan Robinson. Now I've completely messed up my intro, but perfect timing. Uh, Celtics season has just tipped off. DZ uh, doesn't give a crap about Dustin Celtics. But here we are. Welcome to Hear the Spear in Wake Forest Week, gentlemen. Florida State just defeated number 16 Duke in Doak Campbell Stadium in a primetime ABC matchup. Uh, taking them down 38-20 to 20 and a nice convincing win for the Florida State Seminoles as they stay undefeated on the season. Currently have the top odds to remain for the rest of the season uh, being undefeated for the regular season. So Florida State on a roll right now. With me this evening is Austin Beasy, our lead basketball writer, as he's back in our groove coming back from the ACC tip-off media day and also our weekly game preview writer for NoGameDay.com. And down below is Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief. At NG Gentlemen, how are we doing? It doesn't seem like VZ wants anything to do with some Celtics games. Dustin. Hey, basketball is back, and so am I. You know, hope you guys miss me on Saturday, but ready to uh, get it going. Another top 25 win for Florida State. And, I mean, man, that was a heck of a game. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been a busy week, to say the least. Uh, between, between ACC tip-off, you got Florida State, Wake Forest, Saturday. Florida State basketball's first exhibition games on Sunday. Um, we should be releasing my ACC preview for basketball sometime this week, which was a lengthy we'll boy. We'll see. I don't know. It was, it was a lengthy boy. Dustin was mad at me. Um, you know, we're here. It's the best time of the year. It is the best time of the year. Whenever sports is nonstop and you'll have that on TV no matter what, I feel bad for the girlfriends and wise fiancés that have to deal with us during this time of year, but it is prime sports and uh, it's beautiful. It's nonstop on my TV when I go to bed, when I wake up. I've got it on during the afternoon. It's just beautiful. So uh, enjoying it. But yeah, Florida State gets their win. We got quite a bit to talk about this evening. Florida State not only gets a win on the field, but off the field and the recruiting uh, and the recruiting realm with grabbing a five star off of a flip from Miami. It just doesn't get any better than that. But Florida State 
with a big time commit grab there. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about Jermaine Johnson as he was in the house on the sideline and also had some strong comments about the Florida State Seminoles and their chances of reaching a national championship. We're going to talk some injury updates. Uh, one player will be uh, not available for Florida State on the defensive line, something that we'll be monitoring going into Saturday. Uh, we're going to talk Johnny Wilson, Destin Hill, Robert Scott, and their uh, potential playing. And then we're going to talk practice observations. We've got a wake preview that we'll be diving into. And, of course, we'll be giving our score predictions at the very end of this episode. And then, VZ, before we sign off, we will be jumping into a little bit of ACC basketball as Florida State and Little Hamilton had their media day today. So, uh, pretty pretty jam-packed. We're going to try to go through these nice and smoothly, but always you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, hit that like button, share it with all your friends. If you got any comments or topics you'd like us to uh, jump into, feel free to thumb in those comments, and I will, we'll try to uh, pick up a few of them throughout the show. But let's go and get started, guys. we got a we got a jam-packed show this evening. Dustin... As usual, we didn't get to have you again as you're on site in Doak. Me and VZ jumping in pretty quickly to uh, recap that Duke game and give our instant reaction. But uh, what were your thoughts? You know, you said earlier that, you know, a really nice win against a ranked opponent and a really physical team in in Duke. But uh, what were your initial thoughts? And now having a little bit of time later to uh, go look at some film, what what stood out to you? Hated uh, not to be here with you guys after that one. I mean, that was, a, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, a really fun game to watch. And the atmosphere in Doak, that was something that, uh, you know, going back to that UF game last year, that was one of the best atmospheres that we've seen in uh, Tallahassee in quite a while. But, I mean, to me, it really just felt like a novel. I mean, there were just so many different chapters. You had Chapter 1 with Duke coming out, firing strong and taking advantage of Florida State's mistakes, obviously missing those fourth down conversions. Um, you've got Fentrell Cypress, who takes a bad angle, lets Duke get out there, get that touchdown run, miss another fourth down conversion. Duke turns into a field goal. Got the pick six from Jordan Travis. Um, and then you get to chapter two. Deuce Span kind of settles things with that kick return, flips the momentum a little bit, and you've just got two teams, you know, Florida State's offense, Duke's defense, really going at it, trying to figure each other out for the majority of that second and third quarter. And then Florida State, I mean, really, once again, flipped the momentum, you know, Henry Bellin comes in, uh, replacing Riley Leonard after he was unfortunately injured late in that third quarter. Duke decides to go for it on the fourth and goal. Florida State stops him, gets the turnover on downs, and you're kind of thinking, all right, well, can Florida State go 96 yards now on offense? You know, Duke kind of challenged them there when they got that turnover on downs, and Florida State accepted the challenge, went down there and scored. And, I mean, from there, you know, you could kind of see the Seminoles settling themselves and going out to get this game, so – it was a really gutsy performance from Florida State and another double-digit comeback victory. We saw the same thing up in Death Valley and, you know, Florida State, they were able to do it once again. It just shows how resilient this group is. Yeah, I was just going to say, too, Florida State matched that physicality. And, you know, one thing that I'm really starting to notice, and it's been a theme now for Florida State from latter of last season into now, it's finishing games, no matter what kind of situation you're in. I feel like Mike Norvell's done a really good job of keeping this mentality straight of going through four quarters, uh, Dustin, because we've seen that in the past, you know, a couple of years ago where 
uh, be given up on some plays here and there. And that's, it's costly, you know, it costs you points and it puts you down in a rut and it's hard to get out, but Florida state keeps fighting and fighting. And, you know, I got to give a shout out to, to Adam Fuller's defense and what they've been able to accomplish. I feel like a lot of these guys are doing a good, I mean, it, it's, I've got to start noticing too some of these youngsters that are in there that are getting their first kind of you know, their playing time, their first year in playing time and being under uh, the right assignments, being in the right spots uh, like Conrad Hussey. There's a lot of playing time for some guys that are young and, and even newcomers like transfers. You know, it's it's kind of we, we kind of forget that a lot of these guys are just first year FSU players that have transferred from different systems, different coaches, different coaches, different type of coaching and different systems and you know they mesh really well that's why you know Mike Norvell it's hard to stop him in the transfer portal when he's able to continue to produce this and get guys in immediately like that some that are just an early and rolling and, and getting production out of them it's extremely impressive to me definitely going against a good co- uh, opponent a uh, physical well-coached team that Mike Elko had and Duke mm-hmm. we felt like this team was going to be able to lean on its offense I mean it has been able to at times with all those guys there, Jordan Travis, Trey Benson, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Jaheim Bell, all the playmakers they have. Of course, that offense is going to be able to make plays. But the way the defense has been able to step up for Florida State in the second half over, I mean, the last four games really, dating back to Clemson, only one touchdown allowed in the second half by Florida State's defense, you know, through these four games. It's been an extremely impressive stretch. I mean, it just goes to show the kind of adjustments that they're making at halftime to come out and shut some of these teams down. I think you can argue that Florida State had their two best offensive drives of this season in this game, too. You had a 13-play, 85-yard drive, and then 14 plays, 96 yards. Just they were taking what was given to them, something that we've been asking for all season, and they were finally showing that. It wasn't the quick hitters. It wasn't the deep passes. They finally was the same drives against you know one of the best defenses in the country. I was more impressed with that than anything. It was eye-opening for sure. You didn't have to rely on big plays. I mean, you just kind of nickel and dime your way downfield. And Florida State in that fourth quarter, I mean, they just opened it up on offense and really let Duke have it. You know, we were talking about coming into the game. Duke hadn't allowed more than 21 points in an entire game. Well, they gave that up in the fourth quarter to uh, Florida State. And Florida State, obviously, 38 points. Duke, Duke had only allowed 59 total points coming into the game. I mean, once they figured that defense out, it took a long time. And there were some mistakes earlier in that game, but it was very impressive once Florida State got rolling. And Jordan Travis, you know, coming back from that pick six to really have a phenomenal game for the Seminoles, a career-high 27 completions and, you know, multiple touchdowns. Oh, also, we didn't mention this yet, set the all-time record, the program record for total offense. Just continuously going to be breaking records at this point by quarters, you know, just how long he's been playing at Florida State career-wise. But just as a player, seeing him use his legs more just goes to show how much this offense can really expand, man. And I'm just wondering, too, you know, I – I don't know what goes into the game planning and such for Coach Atkins and obviously Mike Norvell week to week. But, you know, if Jordan starts feeling more comfortable and feeling healthier and healthier week by week than what we saw earlier in the first half of the season, then this offense really jumps up a notch, in my opinion, guys. And we saw that in the Duke game. But, you know, I'm just keeping – 
keeping an eye on that and seeing if they're going to start using him a bit more than what how they were at the beginning of the season. And that really should excite a lot of Florida State fans because you can do a lot of things back there with having a Jaheim Bell in the backfield, who also had a really great game, Dustin. We were giving him a lot of props. Jaheim Bell really starting to get into a groove of, you know, Mike Norvell knowing how to utilize his talents and then also spreading the ball around a lot of the other tight ends as well. But getting, you know, Jaheim Bell in the mix and, you know, what, what uh, Jordan Travis is able to do with his legs really does ramp up this offense even more to allow you to have those longer drives like you were talking about, VZ, like we saw last year that really ate up possession of time and, and put games away uh, going in the second half. It's huge. It, it unlocks the full potential of what Florida State wants to do. And I think after that showing in the fourth quarter, I would imagine we're going to see Jordan Travis tuck it and run a little bit. I mean, you got to think, there's just so much pressure on him right now. This is a spot that Florida State hasn't gotten to in um, since 2014 at this point with a 7-0 and record. And you've got so many targets, you know, Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, all the other guys out there in that receiving core. I'm sure you can just kind of cross your wires up sometimes figuring out, well, should I just throw this one or should I really run it and take these yards right now? I think Travis found that rhythm and showed himself a little bit like, hey, I do need to tuck this because look at what it does this offense against one of the best defenses that we're going to play all year. Florida State's going to need that type of dual threat ability when you're talking about getting to the conference championship game and even further, depending on how the rest of the season unfolds. This is really the first time we've also seen design runs for Jordan Travis since the LSU game. You know, we talked about that ballsy quarterback power or quarterback power play late in the game on what was it, third and seven against LSU. We really haven't seen that until late in the Duke game where they were finally calling some design runs for him and he was keeping it on some options. It was good to see it. Yeah, no, it was for sure. And then that snipe that he had to Keon Coleman, I don't know Insane. how that was caught. <laughs> I really don't know. That's it's ridiculous you know um but yeah I, I thought florida state you know a guy we mentioned too in the in the instant reaction was Braden fist uh dustin but uh now getting a lot of attention starting to get that national attention as well because he's put it on a put it on a really impressive last couple of weeks and he's been disrupting since the very beginning we saw it against lsu as well but you know whenever he's just getting uh, you know, these one-on-one -on -one opportunities at the line, he's usually winning those and he's getting back there. And it, if if not, you're you're making the quarterback scramble. And then on the outsides, you've got a Patrick Payne, you've got a Jared Verse that are just kind of licking their chops at that point. Or a guy like Fabian Lovett, who also one of your biggest veterans on the defense, uh, have an impressive showing as well. I just love Fisk's hustle, man. I mean, he really just gets after it out there and makes you work every single play. You're matched up against him. I mean, it's funny to hear him talk about interviews. You know, he's really taken advantage of this opportunity to be a one-and-done transfer at Florida State and then potentially, you know, parlay this into a career in the NFL. And, I mean, he's just going out there, putting in work. It's been pretty cool to see how quickly he's kind of developed into a leader um, on that defensive side of the ball as well. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but he was actually in on Deuce's kickoff yeah. return touchdown in there throwing in a block for him. I mean, he can kind of do it all. So – his impact on the program, we were expecting him to do some big things whenever he made that switch from Western Michigan to Florida State. Uh, I think he's played a little bit better than expected. Does anyone get held in the country or more in the country than Braden Fisk? I mean, man. especially First, first may have an argument. Yeah, I mean, a lot. those are probably the top two right there. It, it was ridiculous mm -hmm. against Duke, some of those plays that went uncalled. And then to your point, Logan, Fabian Lovett. 
best game of the season. Felt like he was extremely impactful. Had two huge tackles for loss and had Doke rocking. It's really good to see Fabian mm-hmm. Lovett getting back to him old, his old self after you know struggling struggling with some injuries at times during his career at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. A guy that's could be finding his groove as well. And this this defensive line, I know there's a comment in here talking about uh, Joshua Farmer. He's never forgotten on this show. We, we give him uh, praise probably week by week here at this point. Uh, bull Rush guy gets back there as well. Just teaming that up alongside with Fabo. You, you've got uh, Fisk, who we were just talking about. Uh, it's not an easy tandem. And you also had some Malcolm Ray, some guys that are also going to be stepping up this upcoming weekend. So, you know, that th- I think this defensive line room is going to be a menace for how far, you know, going to be like the, I don't know, the caregiver for how long this team can go in the postseason. When you get to that ACC championship, and then you're going to face some top-tier offensive linemen because whenever you're making it to the college football playoff, there's going to be some good offensive lines up there protecting their quarterback, this defensive line that Florida State and Odell Higgins hold right now has a talent to really disrupt offenses and their production. And just to see a lot of these guys getting finding that gear really like Fabian Lovett, uh, it just adds another key to some depth there, giving some guys some rest on the sidelines. And then you throw out a Joshua Farmer just to kind of say, hello, we've got a fresh one that's been uh, on the sideline for the first three downs. Here you go on your next first down. Have fun with this. So uh, it's 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 everything that we talked about this whole entire offseason, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just too much talent there and too much experience, and that causes a lot of problems. But I like that what you were talking about there, Dustin Braden Fisk is utilizing that one year as much as possible. Mike Norvell giving a lot of praise to him in the press conference on Monday, just saying that he's doing everything on the field right. He's doing a lot of things off the field. He's connected with a lot of his teammates. And I just remember talking, I believe it was in the spring, Dustin. I don't know if you were there or not, but we talked with Fabian Lovett and uh, talked about Braden Fisk and their relationship. And it had just been just a month or two, maybe, since Braden had arrived. And Fabian uh, just giving a lot of love to Braden on how quickly those two have gotten along and it just seemed like they had been teammates for years and you know Braden coming in with a really good mentality and something that Mungerbelt continues to do in the transfer portal find guys that fit your locker room well and mesh well and have uh, a winning type of attitude and that's exactly what you have and Fisk in the national spotlight gave him a lot of attention on Saturday night on the broadcast yeah I think it's safe to say this interior defensive line is living up to some of that hype that we gave them in the preseason and I mean it's certainly an improvement over last year with the amount of guys that they're able to rotate in there they've you know with those rotations as Logan kind of mentioned you're able to play less snaps it's helping guys stay healthier fresher in games Um, a huge boost compared to what they were getting out of that interior about this time a season ago at the same time I've I feel like they could be a tick better, especially with defending the run. Like Duke, Duke ended up averaging five and a half yards per carry, but at times it was well above seven. I think there's some chances or there's some times where I feel like they could get off blocks a little better. Obviously, there's some holding. There's holding on every play. But there's times I'm like, man, I wish the defense would really step up and make a play right here. For sure. But I will say Duke did have two long runs on the outside. And at least in the second half, I mean, Florida State's defense – almost completely shut down that Duke running game, which did rank first in the ACC coming into Tallahassee. I mean, that was no slouch of running backs or an offensive line that Seminoles were going up against for sure. 
a good a good physical test and they 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 met it and and they battled and won it out uh, and to wit here on youtube commenting you know about daryl jackson who we not really forgetting but he's just not in the rotation yet until he gets cleared but until the postseason it's just freaky to think about that you'll have a full-on fresh daryl jackson who dustin i mean you said that you think he could be the most talented defensive lineman on this roster um but just to think that this guy could could uh you know come in and, and play this postseason for florida state with odell higgins coach him on the defensive line is is huge oh, what kind of game changer he could be for, for florida state and you know what offensive coordinators got to they have no film to work off of in the FSU system. It's like making a trade in the NFL where you don't have to give anything up. And I mean, you're just going to get a positive gain because I mean, like, like Logan said, uh, at the very, the very best, I mean, Daryl Jackson comes in there and he's Florida States. He's a menace and Florida State's best defensive lineman on that front. And at the worst, I mean, he's probably third, fourth in that rotation and still going to be in there making an impact alongside the guys that have been working and having success all season. So, I mean, you've got to be excited about the reinforcement you're going to get from Darrell Jackson. And he, uh, he cannot wait to get out there. I mean, he's been, he's pissed off and ready to go. Once they open those gates, he's coming. Woo. Nice. I like it. Um, I want to jump into something else real quick, unless anybody has anything else from the Duke game I wanted to bring up. I am kind of mad about the the misconception that once Riley Leonard went down, the whole game changed. Riley Leonard was never yeah. the reason Duke was in that football game. I've seen so many national pundits just like when they're talking about national, the game. That's the thing. Yeah. When they're talking about the game, they're like, Yeah, it was a close game that Riley Leonard got hurt and Florida State took over. That's just absolutely not the case. You know, we talked about those two turnovers on downs. Own the game for Florida State. Duke got 10 points despite having, what, 70 yards of offense. Then you get a pick six. After the first six minutes of the game, Duke scored three points. Mm-hmm. It was never about Riley Leonard. It was always about Florida State getting out of their own way and figuring out what Duke's defense was going to do to them. And they figured that out in the fourth quarter. If Riley Leonard plays that whole game, it the outcome doesn't change in my opinion. Because if you look at the plays they called on that drive where he got hurt, that last play where Beelan's just running around scrambling, Leonard couldn't run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't he think the outcome just... changes. If he's fully healthy, then yeah, sure, we can have that argument. But they were never winning that game. And Duke even knew it. I mean, up by three, fourth and goal from the three-yard line. Instead of kicking the field goal, they decided to go for it and yep. really kind of gamble. You know, if Duke goes up by 10 at that point in the game, will they be able to do enough at that point to kind of manage and get out of Tallahassee with a win? You know, thankfully the Seminoles were able to step up there and then Florida State's offense responded with really the game-changing drive um, with, with Jordan Travis's go-ahead touchdown run. And, I mean, that was kind of the game. It was like we talked about going into it. I mean, it was a real defensive mastermind kind of game from Mike Elko going up against Mike Norvell. And in the end, Adam Fuller played just as big of an impact as the offense did. Yep, 100%. I want to bring up something that was pretty cool. This is it's from the Syracuse game, uh, but Keon Coleman actually got gifted some gloves from a very special player. I'm about to pull this video up right now. We put out a piece about this earlier today, but check this out, guys, for our YouTube and Facebook and Twitter people. And Phil Play. Yeah, well, sound's not coming through. Can you not hear it? Nope. No. 
I can hear it. I think they can hear it. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. The chat's going to have to tell us. My guess is no. Nope. Oh, no. Nope. Goofy? No. I mean, I can't do nothing about it. It tells me, brother. It tells me on the screen. So, But, yeah, Keon Coleman got gifted some gloves from Randy Moss. That was the video there of him getting gifted from Ron. Gave, gave it to Ron Dugans, and Ron Dugans gave it off there. But a cool moment between uh, Dugans, Keon, and then also uh, Randy Moss giving a shout-out to uh, the Donk and, and Dugans for those two incoming freshmen as they did their freshman year at Florida State, which was a pretty cool Thing, but these gloves are pretty sweet, all signed and everything. Pretty dope. Florida State legend Randy Moss. Yeah, could have been. It's really awesome though to have an NFL legend like Randy Moss uh, reaching out like that, giving Keon Coleman some signed gloves, and then I mean also giving Dugans a, a shout out like that. Um, you know, they were teammates briefly whenever both got to Florida State in 1995. Obviously went separate paths, but I think both of them having pretty successful careers with what they decided to do. <laughs> I think I've, I think I, I think I got it here. I, you know, Streamyard switching up everything here, but I got to put it on Google Chrome, their tab, in order to do this. Or this could be just a Twitter thing, which would not shock me whatsoever. Elon Musk, but let me see if I can actually try this this time and see if this works. If Take not. Two. There we go. Take two. Recently, though, last hey. week, a Keon Coleman. Can't hear anything. He's joking. And the winner of You Got Most uh, from this past week, all right, goes to Keon Coleman. Yeah. Oh, he's signing him, boys. Oh, I can't put that on. Hold on. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. You got something to say, Hey, I appreciate you. Never thought of making some more kids. It's so great. It's so genuine. I'm trying to think. I mean, you were at Florida State for a hot second. If when you were a receiver there, if you would have gotten gloves from a player in the NFL. I would have done the same exact thing. But, hey, that wide receiver coach that they have, Ron Dugans, mm -hmm. came in with me. Great mind, great wide receiver coach. Dude, keep doing your job. But, hey, Sam, real quick. Pretty cool. And he's with Sam Ponder, married to another Florida State legend. Yep. His connections all another around. Hole. Absolutely. Call me, Samantha. Uh, but anyways, let's see here. Um, but yeah, great, great clip there. Awesome moment. But that was actually from the Syracuse catch that he had with the one-hander, not the one that we were just talking about a little bit earlier where Jordan Travis gave a nice snipe to him, which was also a really impressive catch. I don't know how he saw that ball incoming, but Keon Coleman continues to just make highlight plays week by week at this point. So you kind of just got to figure out which one from that week could it be. And yeah. these are you were saying earlier. Yeah, was saying, it, multiple it, other ones throughout the season fans of the podcast hear me out i get it's a one-hand catch it's a crazy catch i don't think he deserved it for that catch as much as he did the lsu game or the clemson game especially the one in overtime against clemson those are that's a mossing where you're going up over a defensive back this one fantastic catch you know behind his helmet essentially way behind him still manages to catch it it's not as much of moss as it was the lsu and clemson games wasn't a moss, but it was still a jaw-dropping play. And, For sure. I mean, seeing this, seeing him get recognition from Randy Moss and 
on a national stage just kind of shows the star that Keon Coleman is beginning to develop into now that he's in Tallahassee. Yeah, I believe he's gone from, I think it was 40,000 followers on Instagram now to over 100,000 in the last couple months. Yeah, I think that will help some NIL deals, which he just got one uh, a couple of days ago, signed one with a uh, car dealership here in Tallahassee. So even though I'm not in Tallahassee, but I'm about to say you're not there. Yeah, anymore. I'm not in Tallahassee, but uh, while he's up there getting some, uh, I wonder what kind of ride he got. Probably a charger. Look like a Jeep. Charger. Okay, this ain't Alabama. It looked like this a Jeep, Alabama. based on what I was seeing. All right, nice little Jeep action. Uh, another person I want to bring up here too, former Noel Hudson was in attendance for the game on Saturday and. Uh, he was talking with uh, Miss Adelson from ESPN and gave a really good interview on the sideline. Uh, this is going to be a good here for all of you listeners on Hear the Spear. I'll go ahead and play this now for you guys. Prediction for where Florida State ends up. National championship. Uh, uh, like I was telling some of the guys uh, earlier this week, it's okay to say what you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Win the national championship. That's okay to say. Own that. You know, chase that so that you're not focused on the obstacles during the race. You're focused on the finish, and that's a national championship for these guys. And, and these guys are just another obstacle on the road, and we're going to hurdle it, and we're going to get through them like we're going to get through everybody else. And I'm here. I'm their biggest fan. Like I told them, uh, we do this legacy walk every uh, Friday for all the current and former players. And uh, I had the opportunity, the blessing, to speak uh, to the guys before the game. And I was just saying, like, I used to play here, and I never and I and I would sit there and I'd hear these guys speak, and and, and every current player kind of has the same thought, like oh, okay, like that's cool, but they didn't really understand the gravity of it, and I didn't until I became a fan, until I left, and now I'm watching on TV, and I'm the biggest fan of Florida State now, and I just want to be a part of it, and to see these guys doing that, it, it's freaking awesome. They got the biggest fan of me. Thanks, Jermaine. I appreciate it. Pretty cool stuff there from Jermaine Johnson, obviously picking Florida State to go and get that national championship. But I thought his message to the team and saying, you know, just take just be fine with airing that out that you want to win a national championship. You want to take this team uh, all the way. And, you know, some players, you know, want to kind of keep that silent and, and just keep it to themselves and such. But uh, it's just funny to hear him being a big time fan watch on TV because we see his tweets every every Saturday. He's pulling for the Seminoles a ton and, and keeping up with everything and uh, him tweeting with a couple of the players, but a really cool moment there. And I remember him saying that he was supposed to be bringing a special guest. We all thought it may be Dalvin Cook since that is his current teammate. Might not be current much longer, depending on if they want to trade him from the Jets or not, because I think they've got what they need with Brees Hall. But uh, didn't end up being bringing Dalvin Cook. I wonder who I wonder who it was. Maybe just didn't end up being able to happen but a pretty cool uh interview there that he had on the sideline on saturday night yeah i don't think the special guest that was planned to make it was able to make it unfortunately but jermaine johnson special dude uh florida state's lucky to have him as a representative for the program and i mean for all the love that he gives florida state it just says so much you know because he was really kind of the beginning of mike norvell going to that transfer portal finding guys and then turning them into successful and then, you know, professional football players. And for Jermaine Johnson only to play it at Florida state for one year. And I mean, to always continue to come back to Tallahassee, show all the support for Florida state, you know, 
put Mike Norell and the Seminoles out there, you know, giving them a lot of credit whenever he's on social media and everything. I mean, it says a lot about the guy and, you know, he got that All-American brick uh, in his honor earlier this year as well. He's done a lot for Florida State on and off the field. He also, uh, Mike Norell also compared uh, like Braden Fisk's mentality coming into FSU with Jermaine Johnson, mm-hmm. which I think is a really big compliment there. Um, and I think it's a really good comparison, both in different kind of, um, and I want to say like levels to where, definitely two different levels to where Florida State is. So you have a, already a different ty- type of mentality, but it just goes to show how much Braden Fisk has kind of brought that kind of juice and flavor to this 2023 team like Jermaine Johnson did when he arrived a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, you got to think when you're coming out of the transfer portal, you know, these guys are going into the portal to find the best opportunity for themselves. But then you find these unique guys like Braden Fisk and Jermaine Johnson. I mean, really, a lot of these other transfers that Florida State has brought in as well. And they come in and really develop that we, not me mentality. And, you know, it sounds all cliche and everything. But Florida State, I mean, they really do a good job of just building a team where everyone kind of buys into the mentality, the message. And, you know, you've got leaders stepping up guys who weren't even at Florida state a year ago that feel like they can already step up and be a voice in the locker room. It says a lot about, you know, Mike Norvell and the coaching staff, but also the guys that have been here and really built up this core over the last couple of years. Well, I think that's going to, um, we're going to move on from the Duke game, but obviously huge win for Florida State. Not something that you want to overlook or anything. That's an impressive win. I think it's easy for us to come on here and then try to grade out. Here's what they did bad, bad, bad. But, man, when you're going against a team that's trying to ruin all of your dreams and you're also fighting for an ACC championship spot, you're trying to reach that college football playoff, get to that national championship. These teams are going to bring their best, and they ended up putting their their best player out there with Riley Leonard, given that risk for him. He ends up getting hurt. But Florida State played more physical, they played smarter, and they played uh, with a lot of good energy and smarts. So that's how they got away with the win and um, continue to stay undefeated on the season. Uh, let's talk about some uh, injury – or should we go – I think we should go to this uh, – this flip that Florida State made first before we go into kind of some uh, weak stuff here for Wake Forest. Uh, Florida State afterward, I mean, got the big win, and there had been some chatter here about a special player, five-star uh, defensive lineman who was originally uh, classified. I don't know. It's not public yet, right, Dustin? It's You were saying something in the chat that, you know, he's reclassifying to a 2024 uh, class, but Armando Blunt, five-star defensive lineman, flips from Miami and Mario Cristobal and, and picks Florida State. You know, you, you probably have more intel on this, and, and you keep up closer to this than anybody on this show, but is this something that, you know, was kind of a little bit in the works here? Florida State seemed to be a, seemed to be keeping a close eye on this kid. He's staying in touch a lot. Coach Odell Hagan's doing a good job here and making a massive flip, which obviously after Twitter was having a pretty good time uh, over the weekend. Yeah, this is a big one for Florida State. You know, Armando Blunt, someone they've been recruiting for a long time, and he's been on multiple visits to Florida State throughout the offseason. <clears throat> was in Orlando, actually, to watch the Seminoles take down LSU. And then, I mean, shortly after an unofficial visit to Miami in September, 
ended up making an early pledge to the Hurricanes. This was always one that felt pretty shaky at the time, and Florida State obviously continued to recruit him, continued to uh, push away here, and then got him on campus this past weekend. Really impressed him with the atmosphere in Dope Campbell Stadium. And, you know, he ultimately decided to flip to Florida State. And, yeah, according to Knowles 247, Zach uh, Blostein, he's going to be reclassifying to that 2024 class, joining Tribe 24. And you look at some of these recruiting services, uh, 247 Sports, on three, they've gone ahead and shifted him now to that 2024 class. And he's remained a five-star despite moving up a class, which I think really just says um, how talented of a prospect Armando Blunt is. And he's actually ranked uh, ahead of LJ McRae, I think, on both sides, who ended up committing to the Mm -hmm. Gators over the weekend instead of the Seminoles. So I guess this is a nice little consolation prize as Florida State continues to fill out those final couple of spots in Tribe 24 which is rich with talent and is absolutely ridiculous. We've been saying it for over a year. We were saying 2024 was going to be that class for Florida State where they finish in that top 10, if not top five. And I believe on 247, they're sitting at about number four right now. And there are a couple more spots to fill. There's still some highly talented prospects out there that are considering Florida State. So, I mean, this thing could move up probably a couple more spots depending on how things finish out. Mm-hmm. finish out too on the season for Florida State as well. If they continue to make those strides, reach that deep postseason run, like we're, we're predicting at this moment, uh, Florida State can continue to do that. I was going to look at the quote here from, uh, from him. He said, uh, this is home. I have been discussing with family and I have decided that Florida State is where I am meant to be. I want to thank everyone who have been a part of my recruiting process. I am locked in with my decision. God bless. And to all the old logo lovers, that's in his graphic as well, and his commitment um, graphics. So some some cool stuff there. But man, that was just so fun to watch Twitter. And uh, you know, some people that's that's their thing to do, and I understand it. It's entertaining. I just like to sit back, relax. I don't have to do nothing about it. I just get entertained and watch the Miami fans get roasted. Whenever a Miami fan tweets, and then you look at it, and there's no likes on it, but there's 25 quote retweets <laughs> there. Just just go to bed, brother. It's done for you. You've lost the battle. It's not a chance. Like. Does, does anybody at Miami have any kind of good engagement on Twitter anymore? I mean, I feel like it's just a sad place and they've got the weirdest logos for their avatars and they've got their hats sideways and weird glasses on. I don't know. Poor Miami Twitter, though. RIP. It's just not looking great. And Florida State will be playing the Hurricanes uh, in November. It's a mess, but Armando Blunt, actually not the only commitment for Florida State. On the weekend, they were also able to land uh, four-star linebacker Ethan Pritchard in the 2025 class. He actually ended up committing to Florida State before the game over Duke and and joins that 2025 class alongside four-star quarterback uh, Tramel Jones Jr. Yeah, very nice, very nice. You never say no to linebackers, talented linebackers, not at all. Definitely for uh, what Florida State's trying to do there. And on defense, you know, a lot of – we, we, it's just crazy how much stuff has changed in the last couple of years. We used to go on rants and here and still got to do some good stuff and build some depth there at linebacker position, but they've got a lot of youngsters too, that Florida state has been throwing out there this 2023 season who are gaining some experience that we'll see a lot of going into 2024. Uh, let's jump into 
some uh, some guys that we're monitoring going into this Wake Forest game. Uh, Mike Norvell talking with the media earlier this week gave us a few tips on some of these guys. Number one, which uh, you know Mike Norvell doesn't usually do this, D-Lou, we know this, but he actually gave us a player that we're not going to be seeing out there on Saturday against Wake at noon, and that's going to be veteran defensive lineman Dennis Briggs. He will not be uh, available for Florida State on the defensive line. The good thing about it, like we were talking about earlier, there's a lot of guys that can step in and play that have experience, but Dennis Briggs just adds really – well, he's a well-experienced player and uh, has a lot of upside, but sadly uh, dealing with an injury and won't see him uh, against the Demon Deacons. Yeah, pretty surprising to uh, get some injury clarifications. But, you know, Dennis Briggs was out against Duke. We didn't spot him pregame warming up among Florida State's defensive line. Obviously didn't end up playing a snap against the Blue Devils. And then, like Logan said, Mike Norvell said that he'll also be out, well, probably be out for this game against Wake Forest and you know we'll see if he's able to return in the near future but I mean he's just a consistent piece in that interior defensive line rotation you know we're talking about Fabian Lovett, Braden Fisk, Joshua Farmer and then you've got Dennis Briggs you know sitting in that third fourth spot in the rotation I mean just throughout his career ever since he got to Florida State in 2018 he's always been a solid piece for Florida State no matter when he was at defensive end or now that he's been flexed inside to defensive tackle but he has struggled with injuries at times, and you got to hope this is something that Briggs will be able to bounce back from quickly and get back there and continue to contribute to that deep defensive line. Mangerbell saying, uh, so Dennis, he was out last week, probably going to be out again this week, but we'll get him back here soon, which is a good sign. We're going to see Dennis Briggs um, here in a week or so, but uh, he's just unavailable, got banged up a little bit. Uh, he said Dennis has played really well. It'll It'll obviously test a little bit of the depth of what we have, but I like that group. I think Malcolm Ray is a guy that really, that's really kind of came along, along with Daniel Lyons, who's pushing to get more opportunities. Uh, it's unfortunate for him because he's been playing really well, but excited to get him back soon. So uh, at least it's not a lingering, long, long lingering thing where we might not see him for the rest of the season. We're going to see the veteran back out there uh, soon, which is a good thing. Uh, some other guys that we're monitoring is Johnny Wilson, Destin Hill, who we didn't see available uh, at all this past weekend, and Robert Scott, who kind of continues to deal with getting some getting some reps in there, playing time wise, with you know Coach Atkins rotating them in there, just kind of testing some things, and then taking them out. But uh, Minor Vell. Uh, given given a few updates uh, there, they're going to try to monitor and, and look at Johnny Wilson. Mungnervell saying uh, on their Sunday practice, which he said a lot of the team came in with some really good energy, which is a good thing. But Johnny Wilson specifically uh, saying moving in the right direction, though, which is which is good. Um, of course, now my quote things isn't loading, but uh, I believe too for. I believe for Destin Hill too. I don't have I don't have the quotes on here, but he just uh, said that he's basically been doing more than he was doing last week in practice. Yep. So you just take that for what you want. On uh, <laughs> if you just go back and you just read Mike Norvell and his quotes on the players of the week and see who's injured, who's not, you can kind of just figure out who might be out there. On Saturdays, we can't give out who's out, who's in kind of reports like the NFL can. But uh, if you just go off of some trends on how Mike Norvell likes to say things about player availability, you could probably guess on which players are going to be out there on Saturday. But those two players, 
uh, Dustin Hill get into the rotation a lot this season. And obviously Johnny Wilson being an actual big time game changer for Florida state, who has had a phenomenal start to the season. Um, uh, you know, just if it's an evaluation of a concussion, that's something that seemed like he was dealing with the first injury wise. If it's a second concussion, that's something that takes uh, quite a little bit longer to get back uh, onto the field and play just because there's a lot of protocol that goes with that. So uh, we haven't been told, you know, specifically what the injury is, but if it's mm-hmm. something like that, we saw Johnny Wilson walking fine into the locker room against Duke. Uh, so uh, just kind of just going off some guesses here. That might be what it is, but uh, something to monitor. But, you know, hopefully you hope, you know, a lot of these younger guys or even some uh, experienced guys like Kentron Poitier, Darren Williamson, those players can step up and, you know, they have the experience in this Bell system in the wide receiver room. I'm not a doctor. I don't think you guys are doctors either, but I would imagine that someone dealing with a lower body injury, lower body injury wouldn't be walking to, the locker room. So, I mean, we don't know the specific injury that Johnny Wilson is dealing with. We're just kind of guessing gaming it a little bit, but I mean, to potentially suffer two concussions in three games, I mean, that's a tough task to come back from. We saw what happened in the NFL last year with um, Tua and the Miami Dolphins and that situation. So, I mean, we'll kind of see how things go and it would be huge if he's able to get out there before say this weekend, because I mean, you're looking at potentially two starting wide receivers out of the lineup and Johnny Wilson and Destin Hill, if they're unable to go against Wake Forest. And you look at last week, you know, Kentron, Kentron Poitier and Ja'Kai Douglas continue to earn more snaps, but both of them in the top four, as far as uh, wide receiver snaps or four to say it against Duke, Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman were obviously the other two. Um, Poitier and Douglas were not able to finish with a catch. Neither of them has still recorded a catch during the 2023 season to this point as they continue to get back from those injuries um, from earlier in the season. So, I mean, you got to be worried for Florida State if Johnny Wilson and Destin Hill aren't able to go against the Demon Deacons. I mean, you're going to need some of those wide receivers to really step up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Someone's got to step up. Someone that has stepped up, though, in the tight end room has been Jaheim Bell, and he's been a target for, sure. for Jordan Travis. So that's a nice help. Uh, another person, too, that we want to monitor is Robert Scott. Coach Atkins telling us that he put him in there just for a little bit. I believe he got nine, nine snaps nine, in yeah. total after receiving quite a bit more in the previous weeks, way more. But it uh, seems like he's just still banged up, and they're testing some things here and there at that left tackle position. But uh, Coach Atkins saying, I limited Rob a little bit more than normal. I think I only got him one or two drives on there, still letting him heal up. So something we're watching as well. But you know what we've seen from Coach Atkins is getting a lot of guys in there, different kind of combinations, and it's working. It's working. It's really impressive to watch some of these guys being hybrid, including like Darius Washington, some guys that can go in and play different positions, but specifically at that left tackle, which is really important of protecting J Trav, Robert Scott just doesn't seem like he's a hundred percent. And it's, it's kind of just becoming more limited and limited for him. Uh, it seems like, you know, maybe Florida state is going to want to let him heal up for a couple of weeks and then get him back out there onto the field. And I mean, unfortunately that's just been the story for a lot of his career in Tallahassee, <clears throat> a very talented offensive lineman when he, when he's able to be out there and perform for Florida state, but, there's been just so many times where he's not a hundred percent or having to miss games due to injuries. And, you know, we saw against Syracuse, I think he played his uh, career high in snaps for the season and then comes back a week later and is only able to go for nine against Duke with uh, 
bless Harris and Darius Washington taking up the majority of that time at that left tackle spot. Um, this is another one. I mean, Florida State's going to need them. They've got those eight guys. feels like some of them at this point of the season are being held together by glue and duct tape. I mean, you've got some guys on that offensive line that are really fighting to play for Florida State each weekend. You know, some of the guys out there, you know, you look at Maurice Smith, I, I definitely don't think he's 100%. And we actually heard Jordan Travis speak after the game on Saturday night. He said in that last drive, you know, Maurice was in a ton of pain. And he said, look, we just need to go out there and get this last drive. And he went out there and, and fought through it and finished that game for Florida State. was actually the only other player outside of Jordan Travis to play all 72 snaps um, against the Blue Devils. So, I mean, these guys, they, they're really grinding out there each week for the Seminoles. Uh, let's go into some practice observations as we get ready for this week. Forest preview, which will be uh, coming up here in a couple days. Florida State kicking off on ABC again at noon against the Demon Deacons. But uh, what were your uh, observations? I know Tommy was out there for us as well on Tuesday, but it seemed like, you know, from this latest practice observations piece, Deuce Span mm -hmm. is getting loose, which is, I'm surprised, you know, I didn't mention him earlier about some wide receivers stepping up. That'd be someone that you'd like to see start getting and gaining some traction and some some more chemistry and production with uh, Jordan Travis, but also Keon Coleman doing his thing, Jared Verse being Jared Verse. It's kind of the same old thing that we were getting from the spring. But uh, what stood out to you uh, this week, mentality-wise, energy-wise? How, how are they feeling? What's Is Mike Norvell still saying good morning? Says good morning. You know, we have a nice chat. Um <sighs> Every and Shaheem Brown hiding from you. That was that was an interesting <laughs> twist. You know, I appreciate it for the content. Thanks, yeah. Shaheem. Keep playing like you're playing. We'll we'll make some more videos. But it's good. Yeah, it's good. I need to get that video from you. That's good for our TikTok. Not a whole ton of new or surprising stuff out of practice this week. I think once again, Florida State. You know, you're at the point of the season where you can just kind of be going through the motions and. I don't feel like the Seminoles are doing that. They're still coming out with a bunch of energy and intensity each day, really getting after it. Um, Jared Burst, you know, going after some members of that offensive line today, uh, really physical and very loud practice out there. But I was impressed uh, with Deuce Mann, you know, with what he's been able to do both of these past two days. Coming off the first touchdown of his college career, it seems like he's got a little bit of a little bit of spark of confidence. Uh, Mike Norbell said he got a little more, a little bit more of a bounce in his step this week. And I think you can see that, you know, and it makes you wonder how much can one play affect someone's career? Because Deuce Man is someone who's obviously very raw at the wide receiver position, still learning the nuances of what to do there after uh, switching over from uh, quarterback, you know, previously. And we've seen those flashes and you've got to wonder if what he was able to do on Saturday night, is that going to push him forward and un unlock something Kind of like what we saw Tate Rodemaker do when he led Florida State to that comeback victory against Louisville. You know, it did something for his confidence. And could we see a similar thing happen now with Deuce Man? Came away with a really nice high point catch uh, for a touchdown in practice today. And I mean, like I said, just looks like he trusts what he's doing now. In some cases, you know, you can look back and see that maybe he's thinking too much or questioning himself at times. So I'm very interested to kind of see where we go from here. And also, does that spark providing that big play for the Seminoles, you know, getting to break the rock, Mike Norvell, some really nice words for Deuce Man after the game. Does that get him some more snaps now on offense as well? So that's going to be something I'm watching coming out of the week. Um, Blake Nicholson, you know, continue. We're seeing him get more and more snaps in games, but he's also continuing to flash in practice, had a forced fumble on a play where, I mean, he just continued to hustle after receiver made a catch and got up there to punch it out. Keon Coleman, 
doing uh, Keon Coleman things. Uh-huh. And now, how, I guess he's not jumping up too high, is he? Because I think a lot of Florida State fans kind of just want to have him in bubble wrap at this point in practices. Keon Coleman goes hard. I mean, <sighs> every every yeah. rep you get 100% Keon Coleman <laughs> when he's out there. I feel like that's the same way almost with Jaheim Bell, too. Just watching his first couple of practices once he arrived, that mm-hmm. boy and fade routes, nothing. I mean, he any, anything else. I mean, he's going full 110%, and he's going to try to come down with that one-on-one. Every now and then there's some where there's some collisions where or guys fall down, you're hoping they're okay, but <laughs> they keep getting up. So, Yeah. Yeah, I like the uh, Pat Payne versus Jeremiah Byers. I think that's iron sharpens iron. Honestly, might be more of some iron sharpening for Jeremiah Byers, who's kind of had a, you know, we had a lot of high expectations, really maybe too high for, for Byers. And, you know, it, you know, it takes a little while to build that chemistry, definitely in a new system. And you're playing a different caliber of talent in uh, this conference. But uh, I like seeing the battle there from Pat Payne and Jeremiah Jeremiah Byers going at it just makes me miss being at practices because that was my favorite part of uh, the day was being able to go over there and watch those one-on-ones and then you watch the pickups from and 2v2s. It's just so much fun. He's coming along. I think you can really say that these last two games against Syracuse and Duke were the best and most consistent outings for Jeremiah Byers this season. And Alex Atkins actually said on Monday there was a point during the Syracuse game where he subbed Byers out and they had a conversation, and ever since he put him back in, you know, he's taken his game to another level, and we saw that with him able to hold down that right tackle spot for, I mean, basically the entirety of uh, that Duke win. Mm-hmm. There's a question on here from Garrett saying, do you think Benson will start losing carries now that Hill and Holmes and Lawrence Toffili are starting to bust loose? Um, I, I, you know, just from my personal thoughts on this i don't think it's more of a rb1 type scenario for trey benson as much as maybe there's a lot more players showing their abilities and taking advantage of the opportunities and the different kind of reps and that they're getting and games um you know seeing because i holmes get early pt was eye-opening for me because we hadn't seen that throughout his career at Florida state and something that I'm going to continue to monitor. It seemed like that play where he scored that touchdown, that worked pretty well. Also had some phenomenal blocking from key and also Johnny Wilson and only had a one defender to go against, but still got in the end zone. And you can tell that they're starting to build some reliability from Kaziah Holmes, but uh, you know, it's definitely hasn't been the season of what we, maybe we had imagined for Trey Benson, but got to remember from last year, Trey Benson was a new menace to this conference. And now going into year two teams and defensive coordinators are going to be a lot smarter in how they prepare for a, a cal- a, that type of player with that caliber of changing the offense and getting downfield for Florida state. So they've, they've, they've done some things. And I thought, I think too, Trey kind of had some rust to begin, begin the season, but that uh, there's some definitely some other talented players, you know, Dustin, you're very high on Rodney Hill. I think we all are here on, on this podcast. Um, but this is kind of how Magnerval runs things. You're going to have a heavy rotation of running backs uh, week to week. And some guys fit better and systems and schemes against different defenses. And as we saw, because I homes getting in there early against Duke. And this offense, it really seems like they roll with the hot hand. I mean, even last year, you know, Trey Benson, he went on that crazy stretch. Um, due to Treshawn Ward's injury. And by the time Ward had come back, you know, Benson had stolen that role essentially because of that stretch. And you're not seeing really the same thing so far 
this season from Benson, but some of the other guys in that running back room are stepping up. I mean, Lawrence Toafili has been extremely solid for Florida State throughout the year, especially as of late. Rodney Hill and Kazea Holmes, as they get more opportunities, they're showing that they can step up and perform in this offense. I mean, you're just seeing a difference out there. When you watch Rodney Hill or Kaiser Holmes get the ball, I mean, they're just hitting that hole with reckless abandon, and it's paying off. Lawrence Toafili, Kaiser Holmes, Rodney Hill all scored a touchdown on Saturday night against Duke, and I feel like you've got to continue you know, week by week if this continues to be successful for Florida State, continue to even that distribution of carries and just give all of these guys opportunities because you've got four quality running backs, five if you throw in C.J. Campbell who could get out there and contribute as well yeah. if needed. I mean, this this is a group by committee, and I think you've got to do the same thing as last year. Whoever's hot, go with them that night. I think it's all about whatever – I think it's all about throwing just different looks at the defenses because all these running backs just provide so many different things where Benson's is more of your, I won't say traditional power back, but he's a lot stronger, a lot more physical than these other guys. Whereas Rodney Hill and Kaziah Holmes, so fast, so athletic. When you get them in space, it's honestly incredible. And Lawrence Tofield is just a perfect scat back. You can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. He's the perfect utilization player in your Swiss Army knife. So it, it just helps to have so many different running backs and do so many different things. It just gives that much more for the opposing defense to get ready for. Yeah, it's not a bad problem to have whatsoever. And Florida State, too, doing some good blocking up for these guys and taking advantage of their opportunities, man. I think that's something that we saw from Rodney Hill, Keziah Holmes, and Lawrence Tofili, I think, has just really grown to be such a great player. And that's something that Mike Harbell and the coaching staff overall, Coach Yak, too, we heard a lot of this offseason in the spring, saying this is a player that just continues to improve and improve as one of our most improved players on the roster. And uh, it was highly expected from this coaching staff for L to have a, a really a really good season and he's he's showing up in the past game run game different kind of uh, schemes they're putting him in and uh, he's doing a good job of it so uh, shout out to lt uh let's jump into this game preview gentlemen let's jump into it uh florida state facing wake forest on saturday at noon another noon kickoff gentlemen how are we feeling about that with austin you're going to be there for us uh you're going to be there don't, at 10 a.m don't remind uh, me Yep, you don't want to go to Winston Salem and <sighs> party. Winston Salem sucks, man. Damn, jeez. I, I don't. It's, it's my least favorite place in North Carolina. It's every time I've been there, it's gray. You know, there's no personality. It's such it's such a sleepy atmosphere, which you know we'll, we'll talk about that as this game goes along. But a noon kick in an already not a very exciting atmosphere. I'm not looking forward to it. Nope. And uh, even more superstition, this is the first game this season I won't be at. Yeah. I think about it. They yeah. won all the other uh, seven games, if you guys can count. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't know how to count. That's what someone said to me at practice today. I was like, don't don't you put that evil on me. No. <laughs> how about we just – all right, let's just – all right, so Dustin's just asking to be sent up there. We can do that. Let's just set him up there and have him deal with Winston Salem, and Austin just stays home. <laughs> I mean, I'd be at the game no matter what. But yeah, yeah, y'all it's just go uh, noon games are not fun, man. No, they're they're not. I'm kind of fine with them being. I'm done kind of with the day. Like I'm five. We get done with the podcast. That's fine, but. Uh, nonetheless, no matter what, for anybody tailgating and being fans, you know, that, that certainly blows. Oh, I'm cool. not a big fan of drinking beers early in the morning. I will do it. I'm not saying that I've never done that. I do does, that. Well, does Wake Forest even tailgate? 
I don't, I don't um, know what they do. They just play with their wands and sucky. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Wake Forest <laughs> is one and three in conference play and four and three overall. They just came away with a big win against Pittsburgh at home, which was nice and impressive. But this isn't the same team. Sam Hartman's now over there, and Brian Kelly's old home at Notre Dame, Thank doing God. his thing, growing his beard, whatever's going on there. But he shaved, uh, shaved it. He shaved it. Shaved. That's right. He shaved it. He shaved it. But he still got. Hope he still has that rib <laughs> necklace around his neck. Thank God. Let's have ESPN do another promo on that for 30 minutes. We get it. But last one against Pittsburgh. Uh, then they lost a week before that to uh, Virginia Tech in a pretty bad way, 30-13. to 13. Uh, Clemson squeaked by with the win 17-12 to 12 when they faced off earlier this month. So not the most like phenomenal team as we're, we've been used to seeing, but still well-coached Dave Clawson, well-respected coach in the ACC. Uh, one of their closer wins was actually against Old Dominion back in September. But uh, Florida State, nonetheless, can't overlook teams. I think Kirk Herbstreet, we're getting an article out about it uh, tomorrow by Kirk Herbstreet saying, no, Florida State, got to watch out for upset alert, all this kind of stuff. But I really liked how Florida State has handed themselves on the road, and uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good matchup and what they need to do uh, to put game put this game away in the second half early. This is the potential to be a weird game for Florida State. Um, the Seminoles obviously haven't beaten Wake Forest since uh, 2017. Mike Norvell since he got to Tallahassee. 18, I think. Hold on. Either way, long enough. Um, <laughs> Mike Norvell yet to defeat Wake Forest since he arrived in Tallahassee. We all remember that frustrating game in 2021 where you had Jordan Travis and Mackenzie Milton getting flip-flopped every single drive. And then last year, ranked matchup between FSU and Wake Forest, FSU 4-0. Um, Wake comes in in Tallahassee, goes up 28-7, to and ends up defeating Florida State for their first loss of the 2022 season. Mike Norvell in his career actually 0-4 against Dave Clawson. So that is something yeah. that is very interesting to me. And we all know that. I mean, this is going to be a very – despite the talent differential, this is going to be a well-coached Wake Forest team trying to take advantage – of this opportunity. There's some juju on Wake Forest's side. I'm sure Florida State's ready to uh, throw that out the window. It, it was 2018, by the way. Um, I, th- I think that Wake's – you didn't really talk about the, the Wake Forest pick game that much, but it was a wild ending. You know, if, if Pitt's quarterback slides past the first down, which he technically did, but the refs marked him short of the first down marker, if they call that correctly, Pitt wins that football game. Instead, they punt it. Wake Forest scores a miracle last-second touchdown, and they and they get out of there with the win. Maybe they're riding a little too high off the emotions of that game, but it is Florida State coming to town. You know they're going to be ready for it. As I mentioned, Dave Clawson's really good football coach. It's back-to-back weeks that you've played better football coaches than their schools deserve. Um, but at the same time, you know Mitch Griffiths has really struggled filling in for Sam Hartman last season. I think Pro Football Focus has him with the most turnover-worthy plays so far out of all quarterbacks in college football. He may not even be the starter. He's been dealing with something. So it's either going to be him or the third-string quarterback, whose name I've already forgotten, uh, Santino, Santino Marucci. Marucci. Um, we'll see. It's not the same offense that we've seen with Sam Hartman. Well, it is the same offense, but it's not the same quality. It's still that same dumbass, slow-mesh offense that I hate 
It's given Florida State some fits in the past, and Florida State's defense is going to have to stay disciplined, especially those linebackers not falling for the for the eye candy in the backfield and and stay in their lanes. For sure, I like to think that Sam Sam Hartman was really the wizard of the Wake Forest offense. You know, he's been there the last three times that the Demon Deacons have defeated Florida State, and I mean, now that he's gone, you know, the Seminoles have got to be feeling a lot better about about going up against this slow mesh that. I mean, it's just given them fits at times. I mean, I was, I was at the game two years ago where Florida State just could not keep the ball in their hands. You know, it was Jordan Travis one series, then it was Mackenzie Milton the next. No matter mm-hmm. what happened, it was a fumble or a pick or something. It's, they just couldn't handle the ball, and Wake Forest ended up blowing Florida State out 35-14. Uh, to 14. Hopefully we're not seeing something like that this week. Florida State's got to be better with their possessions this week than even they were last week. I I. You reminded me of that game. It just makes me want to buy a punching bag because I just hated how that just that game sucked. I hated that game. Quarterbacks in and out like that. At ooh, that got on my nerves badly. So thanks for reminding me of that. You're welcome. Punch a dog. No, I'm not. No, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not. No, a rabid dog. A rabid dog. It's biting down my leg. Walk around the city like a wild dog. A wild dog. A wild dog. I don't have a. By the way, I don't have a dog. I do have a cat. Hashtag cancel Logan. Peter will be after me in the comments here very soon. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, what, what does Florida State, what would they have to do wrong in order to make this a game in the fourth quarter? I mean, we kind of talked about there. Got to make sure you're on assignment, your linebackers, making sure you're not falling for the BS in the backfield. But, um, you know, we've seen Florida State kind of hinder some of their, their discipline, allowing some of these flags to happen on their end. Um, I, I think Florida State playing disciplined ball, being on assignment, don't you don't have to go overboard, you know, little things like that. Don't just don't overlook number one, but also play with, with a good dis- discipline is going to be something that I think Florida State, as long as they take care of that, they should be fine. But Dave Clawson knows how to coach uh, against Adam Fuller in that defense. And I think that's going to be the matchup to watch for me is, is, is Adam Fuller versus Dave Clawson on Saturday. I think it's just Florida State take advantage of your opportunities. You know, we've seen against. It didn't hurt them against Syracuse, and they ended up coming back from it against Duke, but failing to convert on some of these fourth and manageables. You know, they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and get that done if they're going to go for it on fourth down against Wake Forest. Also think taking care of the football, um, the Demon Deacons, I mean, they've been giving it away like it's free candy, one of the worst turnover differentials in the country. You know, that's something that could even this game up a little bit if Florida State, you know, coming off that pick six from Jordan Travis, if they end up turning the ball over, Again, but I mean, generally, Seminoles obviously have been pretty good about not turning it over this season. And then you mentioned it too, Logan, penalties. Uh, Wake Forest, only 27 penalties in seven games, one of the least penalized teams in the country. And they've gotten some serious home cooking uh, at times from the officials. So, you know, it should always be an interesting one, FSU versus Wake Forest. And then you, know, you get a little bonus of taking on the ACC as well. And a bonus that it's another new game in a town that couldn't care less about football. Yes. There, there's some, you're on to something because the Boston college game on the road was at noon. In a town that game on the road was at noon. Well, at least, at least Clemson cares about football. Like that was a fun environment. Boston college. I can't even imagine anyone was even cheering in that game until towards the end. Um, I I just kind of feel chestnut Hill and Winston Salem are kind of the same college towns. They just, you know, Hey, we have a university who cares. It's one of those. Um, Hopefully Florida State can get up for this game. 
you know, you, I'm, I'm sure Norvell's going to be on these guys. Like, hey, they, they've been us the last two years. We, we need to get on them. You know, let's go put one to them. Wake's defense is weird in the fact that they haven't allowed anyone to score more than 30 points this season, but they're in the hundreds in terms of passing yards allowed. I think Florida State's going to have at least somewhat of an advantage on the outside, but if Johnny Wilson and Dustin Hill don't play, who's going to be that player that steps up on the outside, whether it's Ja'Kai Douglas, whether it's the tight ends again, there's definitely some advantages to, to to find out there. Yeah, it would be nice to see Ja'Kai Douglas really start becoming a weapon for Jay Trav in this offense because it's he's been that way before, but uh, just to add that into the rotation, what four states Arsenal already has and Ron Dugan's camp, uh, just adding that all a key eventually when Johnny Wilson comes back. Uh, there's a guy, there's a lot of guys with experience in this system, but you know, not like you have to force things, but if there's there's opportunities for Jakai, I still like him a lot as a deep threat. I think he's really lethal and those kind of opportunities. And we'll see if Mike Norvell wants to utilize him in that way in the next couple of weeks. But there's some guys that could definitely step up here for Florida State and uh, going to be interested too. Who's going to have the hottest hand in the running back room? It's kind of a guessing game now. Who do you guys think has a chance to – who's going to lead the team in rushing on Saturday? This is actually pretty fun because there's there could be a there's a handful of guys and not just in the running back room, but you got quarterback and, of course, uh, Jaheim Bell. Who could be the leading rusher? I'll take J-Trav. I think they found something in the fourth quarter against Duke. I think they're going to use a little bit more this weekend against Wake Forest. Okay. Give me Rodney Hill coming off oh. a good week. Staying, yeah, you're staying on the homer. You're homing down on Rodney Hill. We also talked to him after practice today, so he's on my mind. <laughs> he's been on your mind tonight? All day. Interesting. You might need to tell your wife about that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to uh, go with uh, – I'm going to go uh, – I'm going to go LT. I think LT is going to be Florida State's leading rusher. No votes yeah. for Benson. Interesting. And that, I know that's what I was saying. I was wondering if anybody was going to go Benson, but none of us picked him. It's just kind of how like we were talking about earlier in the show. You know? I think he'll. I think he'll get the most carries, but I don't think he'll get the most yards. It'll be close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else for you guys on on this one? I mean, Feezy's got to start getting some sleep soon because yeah. uh, Winston Salem does not ever sleep. It is time to party <laughs> up there. So. <laughs> I think they only sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn well and they, they they study too they do good in their schoolwork. Sure. i would just Congrats. uh keep an eye on adam fuller to once again pull a really good game for uh, this florida state defense out of his hat i mean there's a it's a good opportunity here for florida state wake forest has only scored um 21 points or more in three of their seven games and it took a last-second touchdown against Pitt to get to that mark last weekend. I mean, this offense has been really bad about getting into the end zone. And then the offensive line, I mean, it's really been a turnstile. They're allowing 4.4 sacks per game, 8.7 tackles for loss. you got to think this is a game where you can have your defensive line, your linebackers, pin their ears back, and, I mean, really just go get after it. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a ton of man-to-man coverage from Adam Fuller's defense. You know, don't let those – don't don't even give the DBs a chance to be looking in the backfield. Just have them focus on those wide receivers so they can't get downfield. Let the D line and let the linebackers make a lot of the plays for you. 
Florida State, Wake Forest, noon Saturday. We'll have uh, our instant reaction afterwards, so make sure you guys are tuned in for that. Without but, me uh, this time. It's going yeah. to be Lolo, Lolo and Dustin. Yeah, Lolo and Dilu, baby. Hell yeah. I, I don't know if the viewership will stay the same, though, VZ. I don't know. Yeah, I hope not. Have to it, it feels like last year I'd be at work and you guys are covering the game. Uh-huh. Yep, exactly. But now, hey, we'll see what we can do. We'll try to hold it down for you. Um, but real quick, score predictions for this game on Saturday, guys. I forget who went first. I think it's week. me. I think I'm back. I think yeah, I went a, first last week. Back to yep. the top. Uh, Florida, State, you Florida State, first time on the road since September, going to a Wake Forest team that they've struggled against in years past and one that's provided some very frustrating games for Seminole fans. I mean, even dating back to before Mike Norvell was in Tallahassee, Wake Forest, despite Forest State holding a 30-9 to record in this series, they've always been a thorn in FSU's side um, for some reason. Going into this game, Florida State, major talent differential, Wake Forest potentially starting a third-string quarterback. They've struggled on offense all year. I'm going to say this time it's not a struggle. Florida State finally takes care of business, goes out there, and absolutely buries Wake Forest. I'm going to go Seminoles 41, Wake Forest 10. Mm, 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 mm. 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 That hurts. That hurts. That hurts for the Demon Deacons and Dave Clawson. Uh, I'm gonna go Florida State. I'm, I'm sticking around that. I'm sticking around that 40 range too. I think I'm gonna go Florida State uh, 43. Weird number. Florida State 43, and then Wake Forest um, 10. So kind of in that same realm. I think Florida State does what they need to do. I think they learned from allowing teams to get in the games like they did with. Uh, Boston College, I think that was a good test for them. And that's what we I talked about in the podcast after that week. I said, you know, I think Florida State, I'm glad that happened earlier in the season. So they learn from it and don't allow that to happen later. Um, but I think Florida State shows up. They, they bring the physicality. I think Florida State's defensive line really disrupts, man. I, I think they do. And they kind of ruin what, for, what Wake Forest usually likes to do with that mesh. And uh, really got to rely on these linebackers to play assignment football. And uh, I think they'll do that. There's just too many veterans there and that have experienced this. And honestly, they should be fired up for this game after how many games they've lost to Wake Forest. That should be something that you should never say as a Florida State fan nor a player nor a coach <laughs> that you've been losing to this team for this long. It's it's embarrassing. It's it's straight up embarrassing. And so they should come in a little pissed off. And I, I hope that's what we see on Saturday afternoon. If this game was at three thirty or seven o'clock, I'd say it'd be like forty-eight to six. But with it yeah. being a noon game, we've seen Florida State kind of start slow in some of these new games. You know, the opposing team's offense has a great first drive. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens this this game as well. I think Florida State gets a late touchdown to cover and wins thirty-eight thirteen. Mm. Uh, did you know Wake Forest has not been a top ten team since nineteen forty-six? By far the longest wow. drought in, in Power 5 college football. The next closest is, I think, 2007. Damn. Not yeah, Col- That's crazy. Colorado 2007 is the next closest <laughs> to Wake Forest 1946. So, Knock on wood. Knock on wood, guys. <laughs> that, that'd be a terrible streak to break. Damn. Whew. I hope... Uh, well, yeah. if there's a time, yeah. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> 
VZ's there alone at the game, we will definitely have that instant reaction. We'll be waiting for you for that one, VZ. I think not just us, but the rest of Great. our listeners. Great. Can't wait. <laughs> we'll be waiting for you, buddy. We will be waiting for you. Um, but yeah, that's our score predictions for Florida State versus Wake Forest. Let's jump into a quick little recap of the ACC tip-off real quick. VZ, you're in attendance for that with Leonard Hamilton. Um, how'd that go? What'd you hear? You had some one-on-one time with a lot of guys too, which was nice since you're the only FSU beat member up there. So shout out to you, VZ, and no game day. But uh, what, what, what'd you get from that? Well, first, I got beef with the ACC. I, got, I just got to get this out of the way. Making me pay $28 for parking for four hours is insane. I, I wanted to fight somebody. $20 for parking is unbelievable for four hours. You know what's even more insane? Logan not reimbursing you. I mean, that's, you know, I'm used to that. So, <laughs> Doesn't so, want. That part hey, doesn't I would have parked across the damn street at that Going point. to work for an old game. And, and, and Uptown Charlotte, you're going to pay to park. You're going to pay to park no matter where. And Uptown Charlotte, like, you don't, oh, you don't down. escape. Yeah, you don't escape that. Twenty eight dollars no. is a little ridiculous, and they changed the preseason voting this year to where it's only a select number of national yeah, like, and regional media. So I don't have a preseason vote anymore. Like, why am I here? Yeah, why are you there? Maybe there's a reason why there wasn't a whole lot of people up there in the first place. I wouldn't uh, let you vote anyway. I've, I've voted the Jeez. last two years. <laughs> I'm just saying. Damn, um, ACC. What do you What do you expect? But just to get into the coverage, Leonard Hamilton looks hungry. You know, he looks ready to prove last Dude. year was just a fluke. He thinks this team finally has the depth. The players think they finally have the depth. You're not going to have to play Darren Green 37, 38 minutes anymore. But he looks he looks ready to prove some people wrong. You know, at one point he said people are – let me get the exact quote. Um, I should have had this pulled up. I'm sorry. You're good. Yeah, you know, you'll get it was, used to it. It was a really good quote, though. It was good. He said, I just got to do my job. It's been challenging. We had one bad year, and they forgot about us, but that's okay. They'll see. Hmm. You know, he, he, he feels ready that he feels he feels his team has all the components needed to, to be competitive in the ACC. I'm in the wait-and-see compartment. I, I don't know if they have the high-end scoring yet. But they certainly had the defense. I think Jameer Watkins got a lot of praise from Darren Green Jr. Baba Miller's looks so much more comfortable. You could tell he's got that confidence back and playing overseas in the FIBA tournament. He says he has the confidence back. Coach Hamilton says he's got the confidence back. Darren Green says he's going to be really good for Florida State. You know, there's some pieces there. There absolutely is some pieces there. And the ACC kind of sucks this year. It's not going to be a good conference. There's a chance for Florida State to go out and win you know, 11, 12, 13 conference games. It's the path is absolutely there. Um, yeah. It was great catching up with coach Ham. You know, he, he always, he always gives me a chuckle and a laugh when he sees a familiar face in the crowd. Um, asked him at one point how he was feeling personally. He goes, I feel like new money. I'm like that's not something you hear from someone that's 75 years old. Uh, but no. you, you know, you love it. That's awesome. That's great. Glad you and, got a relationship with him too. And the biggest news was he said Cameron Fletcher is now full contact practicing, which is great considering he tore his ACL ten months ago. Yeah. So there's they're still taking things cautiously with uh Jalen Ganey, as we talked about either last week or the week before. Uh they just want to make sure he's ready for the whole season. But Cam Fletcher's already back to hundred percent practice. I really like watching Cam Fletcher. I really he's do. He's good. He's really good, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it sounds like it was good stuff, though. And give us the kind of what we should be keeping an eye out for. I know there's an exhibition uh, game coming up here soon. Yeah, exhibition game Sunday at 4 or 5 o'clock against Flagler College. And then another exhibition the following Sunday against Valdosta State. And then it's, you know, it's regular season time. So okay. season's just around the corner. Hey, I Google FSU basketball and you're one of the top pieces up there. So that's what we like to see, baby. Please go read the uh, roster preview if you haven't already. Uh, yeah. Dustin, Dustin annoyingly or was not happy about editing it because of the length. <laughs> and then I gave him the ACC, the ACC preview and it's even worse. So <laughs> keep terrorizing him. <laughs> keep doing it. It's entertaining. <laughs> Tough times don't last. Tough people do. <laughs> Such a struggle. Such a struggle. And then we also got to uh, mention real quick, Florida State picked up a 2025 commit for basketball, Alir Malouk. Last Friday, top 50 player. He's very similar to Taylor Paul Bowen, who's the player they got in this last class. I think he's a little further ahead in his offensive game, but very similar player, very similar size, six foot ten, very undersized at up 180, 185 pounds. Has two years to put on some size. It's your very prototypical Florida State player that's athletic, long, and can do a bunch of different things. Very quick on his feet for someone of his size, and you know, should be a good fit for the class in 2025. Coach Ham has his types, man. He, he does. Sure does. There's no doubt about it. But And I'm glad that they're getting away from the big, towering seven-footers. There's no more Nehema Clouds anymore. Thank God. Is that and because I, of the change of the game, like how it's evolved? I just think or... it's I think it's Florida State system. You know, they want to switch one through five, and you just can't do that with these slow-footed seven-footers. Instead, you're getting these super athletic and long 6'10", 6'11", guys, and it, yeah. it works really well, mm-hmm. at least I think. True. Yeah, and it just takes a while to develop those guys, too, when you're bringing them in. Uh, it takes a long while. We've seen it, and it's usually in their third year where they just really start finding their groove and uh, get production, so... Uh, yeah, things are changing. I'm excited. I'm interested to see what Coach Ham has in store. It seems like there's a lot of confidence between him and his coaching staff and the players on the roster. And good to see Cameron Fletcher uh, getting back and getting to some contact practices. That's huge for Florida State. So, But, yeah, I think that's going to wrap up this evening. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, hit the like button, subscribe, so you get notified every time we release a new episode or interview. Uh, We're going to be having our instant reaction after Florida State versus Wake. Dustin and I will be hopping on here to give our thoughts. So make sure you hop on here and give Dustin as many views as possible because I promise you he will be checking to see who got more views. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's definitely going to be something that uh, he's going to be monitoring. So make sure you come hang out with us on Saturday afternoon after that game ends. Um, But, yeah, we'll be back here live next Wednesday. Uh, to preview Florida State versus Pittsburgh. Everybody have a great rest of y'all's weekend, and we will talk to you guys next on Saturday. Peace. Mama told me 